Hello and welcome to an episode of Everything is Canon, a Cinelates podcast. I'm your host, Steve Duncan. However, you may have found your way here. Thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at cinelinks.com, or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. Today in the show, I'm talking to author Monika Nekamp all about her new adult novel, Critical Role, Vox Machina, Kith and Kin, which is described as, Explore the past of Critical Role's daring half-elf twins, Vexalia and Vaxalden, in this original prequel to their adventures with Vox Machina. Kith and Kin follows a brand new adventure that delves into the twins' unexplored history and returns to some of the iconic moments that forged Vox Machina's most unbreakable bond. Whether you're a newbie, casual, or hardcore fan of Critical Role, Vox Machina Kith and Kin will appeal to just about anyone who's craving a fun, no-nonsense bit of adventure. Monika crafts a straightforward, very palatable story that is both mischievous and heartfelt. If you already love Vex and Vax, prepare to love them even more. If you're meeting them and this world for the first time, prepare yourself for your new obsession. We talk about Marika's time with We Need Diverse Books, the importance of representation, the appeal of critical role, the book of course, and much, much more. While this is for sure a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out. So if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled at all, better stop listening now, but double back after you've read it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always, around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices, this, of course, should be done all year long. Just a reminder, of course, with the holidays coming up, some folks struggle this time of year with depression and loneliness, so it couldn't hurt to reach out to those in need. Even if it's just to offer words of encouragement, it could mean an awful lot to somebody who needs it. Okay. Monique Nakamp is a number one New York Times bestselling author of novels, graphic novels, and comics, including This Is Where It Ends, At the End of Everything, and The Oracle Code. Her short stories can be found in several anthologies, and she also edited the anthology Unbroken, 13 Stories Starring Disabled Teens. Before pursuing her lifelong passion for writing, she majored in philosophy and medieval history. She's the founder of Diversifoye and was a founding senior VP of We Need Diver Books, something I'm going to talk about. Um, she loves to go on adventures, roll dice, and daydream. She's a storyteller, a dreamer, a globetrotter, and a geek. But she's here today to talk about her new adult novel, Critical Role, Vox Machina, Kith and Kin, which is described as explore the past of critical roles, daring half-elf twins, Vexalia and Vexalden, in this original prequel to their adventures with Vox Machina. Critical role, Vox Machina, Kith and Kin follows a brand new adventure that delves into the twins' unexplored history and returns to some of the iconic moments that forged Vox Machina's most unbreakable bond. Welcome up the show, Maddie Eknekamp. <laughs> Hi, Maddie Ek. Thank you. <laughs> so Apolo- good to be here. Apologies to the fine Dutch people for fucking butchering your language. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a beautiful I language. I have and heard words worse. It's totally fine. <laughs> I am I am classically bad with names. Um, like and look, you just said it to me, and I just said it again, and I said it probably wrong again. Um faces, I'm amazing. Like I could see somebody 40 years later and be like, I know that person, but I just don't know their name. It's uh, see, I can't do that at really? all. I I will probably recognize a face and like it's, it will trigger something in the back of my mind where I'm like, that oh, you look familiar. But I've I've been at conventions where I just am unable to tell if someone looks familiar because I've seen them on like series or if it's because I know them. And right. that's um <laughs> so I'm I'm slightly better with names, but in general I just completely get not recognizing people or forgetting how people like what people's names are. 
Um, so I'm I'm slightly envious of you being able to remember faces. So like together, our combined forces are, <laughs> are a perfect memory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I've always been like that with faces, but names I'm constantly screwing names up. Um, it's like gotten to me. It's some gotten me into of, of recognizing people. That's right. It's it's, <laughs> it's gotten me in trouble plenty of times. I've called somebody the wrong name, and uh, like if you like, for example, if you call your girlfriend the wrong name. <laughs> Uh, right nope. like right all right like you know i and it's just my dumb brain it's not it's not personal right but uh yeah brains anyway. are just um obnoxious they are great word <laughs> great word um so let's start with uh diversive ya and your time with weenie diverse books yeah. and that's what we have in common actually i currently blog for we need we need diverse books Woo-hoo. um awesome I just uh, actually, I just had an interview earlier today with uh, Tochi Onyibuche for We for We Need Diverse Books. Um, I love it. I love that group. I love that organization. Um, I don't know much about Diversive YA, so I'm going to get you to tell me what that is, and just let's just talk about. I am so fucking attracted to people that have the courage and the gall to do stuff like this, like to pay it forward, to help others, to spread the good word. Um, mostly because I just saved none for myself. Like I'm not a courageous person. Right. So I just, I am so attracted to people that do that. So talk to me about, yeah. So what, what is diversive YA and also just to you, like how important is that? Because it, you know, as it turns out, representation matters. It is, is actually really important. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, diverse YA or diverse YA depends on like, there are many ways to, pronounce it because you know words are fun (laughs) um but uh was a a website that me and a few friends um set up a couple of years ago i think oh god like maybe close to 10 years ago at this point probably eight ish um that was basically focused on like interviewing people um with all kinds of different backgrounds, like marginalized backgrounds, to like talk a little bit about like what does life look like for you? What um, are you interested in seeing in books, and especially writers, but not necessarily just writers, but basically giving a sense of hey, this is this is like how what the world looks like, and why why don't our books reflect that? Mm. Um, and this was definitely before we need diverse books. Um, it's also part of why I rolled into we need diverse books. Um, but it, it was it was just this, this showcase of um, all kinds of different experiences and different marginalizations and and different ways of living um, that I felt be really interesting to people who care about representation and who care about getting to know other writers and people doing fantastic work. Um, so that's that's uh, the website itself still sort of exists but i have would have to go into <laughs> the script to make sure it still works um, right. and i'm also not sure if it's still like as important now as it well it's it's definitely still as important but i'm not sure if if the conversation we were having all those years ago is is still the same conversation we were having now so i've been i've been thinking about what to do with that actually um but yeah it was it, it was it was meant to be this 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 showcase this conversation starter um fun way to talk about like different ways of of being of looking at the world of looking at books at look at, of looking at writing um just generally all of that and um 
that sort of like it was definitely something that was on my mind a lot at that point um some of my friends were working on disability in kidlit at that at about the same time um quite a few others were working on on various different projects and and websites and people were having similar conversations um and well i mean because it's it, it because we all knew that representation is important was important and especially some some five to ten years ago books just didn't reflect that for the most part for like 95 percent, i think um oh higher yeah i mean I, yes yeah. yeah yes absolutely but at the same time i also don't want to sort of erase the work that a lot no. of people were actually no. doing at that point and no but were com comparatively amazing. though right I yeah mean, comparatively for yeah, sure yeah, yeah yeah um but yeah that that's that's like this was basically my way of sort of contributing to that to that conversation and um it it's what like speaking up about that and having an opinion about that is is what led me to uh becoming part of we need our first books too because yeah, you, yeah, yeah you, you, were in the, you, you were in the ground with that with we yes like you helped start it right yeah well i was i was one of um the original group of people talking about like how this this needed to be a hashtag and and i was definitely um like in in situations like that in in groups like that i try to be as supportive as i can like like figuring out how to organize stuff and figuring out how to help people who have amazing ideas like ellen o is definitely one of like the the, the brilliant minds behind all of this yeah. and um i try to like try to do what i can to help and uh, it, it was such a pleasure to be part of that group and to be part of those conversations um and be part of like originally starting that hashtag and having the first panel at BookCon that sort of followed from that hashtag because obviously all of that sort of followed from a BookCon panel that was all white men talking about the importance of reading and YA and books and yeah the, ex that's, the, that's, the I'm, experts I'm, I'm, the experts yes, white men yes, yes are what, the experts what, in young adults what on earth would we do with <laughs> without just white men uh, um <laughs> I'm sort of hoping that at least at this point we're sort of past the whole white men only panels. Um, I'm not yeah, sure that's actually I mean, true, but I'd like to think so. Yeah. For the most part, I think um, we are. Like, I feel like yeah, we are. We're, I mean, we're now, we, we've now managed at least like panels with white men and white women. So that definitely right. doesn't help. Um, I guess it's, uh, I wouldn't even call that progress. Really? Well, that's sort of, um, sort of just what you said earlier too. Like, yeah, like, you know, the conversations of maybe, I don't know, yes. they, they've changed, I guess, but, but still that base that there's still that baseline that we're dealing with, right? Yeah. Because we're still yeah, dealing, we're sure. still, we're still dealing with the same, the same publishing industry that hasn't changed from a, from a publishing down perspective, right? If any progress has been made, I think, in my opinion, it's been on the ground level, just amongst authors themselves getting together, forming groups like DV Pit and Pitch Wars, um, the FIA, FIA people doing FIACon, yeah. you know, things like this. It's, it's, it's happening more on the ground level than it is in an industry down situation. It, 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 yeah, it, it's happening in the industry too. Like there are amazing literary agents doing important work and there are yeah. amazing editors doing important work and every like 
Um, POC and Pub is doing fantastic work, um, but I think one of the problems is that that publishing as a whole is still this this um, like on on a management level. Yeah, it needs to change too, and it, it and all the changes that are being made still sort still feel quite incremental and there needs it just needs to be more there yeah. needs to be more on every level needs there still need to be more diverse books yes. um, or inclusive books and there still need to be there still needs to be room for more authors at the table like the table needs to be bigger than it is and and the same holds true for for editors and, and agents and people working in publicity and marketing and um, progress is being made, and, and you can you can see the numbers um, there, but we're we're not there yet. No, we're a long way off. Uh, <laughs> I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate your optimism. Um, it was an L. D. Lewis. I think had an interesting quote about you know let's not make let's not make the table bigger. Let's just make our own table. And I thought that was always a pretty yep. pretty keen, pretty awesome way to put it too, right? Like if, if the industry is not going to come to you, you go to the industry, right? So um, do you what, do you remember the first time that you felt represented, whether it was a book or on screen or in, in what, anything? I think in a lot of ways, when it comes to like my combination like, of experiences. Yeah. Um. Like was there or not? Was there a big? Would you, there doesn't sound like there was like a big moment for you, but was there? No, there were there were a few like like moments and a few aspects of of myself uh, in that sense that I recognize in books. Um, I think one of the first I I can't remember how old I was when I read Nancy Garden's Annie on my mind, mm. um, and that was definitely like I knew I was queer. I hadn't actually come across a word for not a word for non-binary yet. Um, and I was still sort of figuring out like what, what gender meant and um, wasn't particularly interested in gender at all, which I didn't think was an option until I realized I could just say no to like gender questions. Um, but that was definitely like, I, I knew I was queer and, and I think Annie on my mind was one of those first books where I saw characters like me on the book uh, on the page and that was definitely one of those moments where you're just like oh wait wow I didn't entirely I wasn't entirely sure this was possible and then mm. Melinda Lowe's fantastic Ash and Huntress were were relatively early books too which says something about because those books are Ash is a decade old which right, is, right, right. Um, definitely says something about like the books I grew up with as a teen versus the books I read later in life. Um, so those those elements were there, and I connected with those without entirely seeing myself reflected in them. But at least I had that sense of connection. Um, so I think that those were pretty essential. And then, weirdly, for all that I, for all that that. There have been a few books with autistic main characters that are absolutely horrifying, but even so, seeing autistic main characters on the page was still this moment of, oh, wow, I I recognize this. Um, and, and I don't want to name any of those books because they're 
ridiculously harmful and, and right. problematic and that's see that's the, that's downright that's, abusive yeah. but well, even that's a, so yeah. like that's 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 a, that can be a tricky part right like with representation yeah. is is yeah. there's there's also misrepresentation right there's not oh absolutely and that's a tricky, yeah. that's a tricky part and i've heard you know spoken to other authors this i mean the context that was more about muslim uh, representation at the time but oh yeah and yeah. you know talking to some um some of my muslim author friends and they would say like they'd rather see no representation than misrepresentation um because no representation doesn't do as much harm as misrepresentation absolutely uh, so, absolutely true yeah it's a tricky it's a it's a balancing act and i think the advice would ultimately be like if let's say you're an author out there let's say you're a white author and you'd like to have you've got a, a group of friends in your story and you'd like one of them to be queer disabled muslim whatever maybe just don't <laughs> right or or at least like really really do your research like talk to people really do in the, your research. In the, in the community right yeah Get, hire a sensitivity reader talk to somebody who is yeah. muslim or disabled or queer or whatever and get that knowledge, like do that, do just fucking do your homework instead of like, why wing it? It's too important. It's too important yeah. just to like, it's not guesswork. Yeah. And we don't have to guesswork anymore because the oh, knowledge no. is, is available and free and easy to get. Right. So, yeah. 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 I feel like if, if you want to try and I honestly feel like that's a, that's a decision everyone has to make for themselves. Yeah. Um, but if you want to try to write a, like, for example, autistic character, you should be able to name like at least half a dozen, if not more books written by autistic authors. That's right. Because if that's not the case, um, you definitely don't want to be the first if you're writing outside of your own experiences. You need to get those expert readers. You need to do your research. You need to be able to explain why you are the right person to tell the story. Um, and and you need to be aware that even if you're writing outside, like even if you're comfortable writing outside of your own experience, there are still certain stories that just aren't yours to tell. That's right. And that is perfectly yeah. okay. Yeah, of course. Like it's there's nothing wrong with there being boundaries. Um, and even like, and I can say all of that. And and if people want to do that there's no way i'd be able to stop them or anyone else would be able to stop them but i think that that's a conversation or the conversation to have with yourself as as a writer um in in terms of like am i making the right choices am i doing the right thing with this book is it creating more harm than good um is anything i can do potentially harmful and if so how can i mitigate that like there are definitely ways to to go about it um and and yeah it's it's a tricky discussion for sure and like i said i don't think i i can't give an answer for everyone like how to handle no, this no. Yeah, no. but at the very least it's something to be very very careful about and just think- as an example too i think like i've in my last few ya books i've not written main characters outside of or at least very adjacent to my own experience yeah but i do have secondary characters who reflect the world in in many cases like characters who use wheelchairs or like muslim secondary characters or black secondary characters and i still get expert readers for those characters too because i want to make sure i do right by, by them and i feel like that's for me that's a very low bar um but i want to be able to look at my my teen readers with those books specifically and say like I and 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 
respect them as readers and take them seriously as readers. And for me, that that one of one of the ways to do so is make sure that I write every single character as as honestly and respectfully as I can. Right, and that is a low bar. Like that is the base. Yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. should be. It'd be like if your if your character is a pilot and you didn't know anything about flying a plane, you would have to do some research about flying a plane, or you might even uh-huh. talk to, you or you would talk to a pilot maybe. Yeah, of, yeah, of course. Like what what you're talking about. I and you and you're right. You know, we're not speaking for anyone else, but you know, we're just, just you and I talking right now. But I think it's fair to say that like everything you just said is so fucking reasonable that you know what we are going to speak yeah. for other people because that is the <laughs> because that is the because that is that is the bare minimum. I think. Yeah. I think, but anyways. So yeah, it's it's about I, I oh god, I feel terrible because I can't remember who first said this, but it's about being a good literary citizen. Yeah, great, great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I told I'm going to steal that. I yeah, say, I'm going to I'm going to say that I invented that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just okay. see if I can find who said it. Um, but oh goodness. Obviously, I can't find it right now. This is no, why no, I need fine. to, well, need to uh, well, write can, down quotes. But it, it's it like well, I'll Google look it up this. later too, and I can <laughs> I can I can get I'll get give credit later on. Yeah, I'll look it up. But yeah. uh, anyways, yeah, totally agree with everything you said. We're 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 totally in line, and um, it's uh, it's it's such a simple thing nowadays. You don't have yeah. the ex- you don't have the excuse anymore of not having access to information, right? So. Um, it's all out there. It's free. People are, especially other authors are so willing to talk about it. So just, just yep. use those muscles, right? <laughs> yes. So those, those slight caveat, uh, it's free. Um, if you do get sensitivity and expert readers. No, so, right, 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 right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> just Sorry. to be clear about no, that. No, you're right. I, I think I sort of just meant from, uh, like Googling things or sorry, that's, sorry, that's that side of things, of course. But yeah, no, no. I, yeah. No sensitivity readers and, and uh, proofreaders and even, even beta readers sometimes uh, charge money, which yeah. is, which they should, it is a job. Yeah. And especially if you're asking people to do like emotional uh, work, that's which right. Is, which yes. is what expert reading can be. Uh, totally <laughs> true. <That's nice. laughs> um, so this critical role uh, is 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 pretty big. It's pretty big, but I, but it's not like you know internationally mainstream big, right? I mean, it's not like Marvel or something, but it is still pretty big. But I mean, there is going to be people that don't really know what it is yet. I mean, I could probably ask ten people on the street who have never heard of it, right? Um, well, they're all wrong. I well, <laughs> listen, no, we're not we're not saying it's not great, but I, I mean, it is still. Yeah. It, it's I mean, it's even. Dungeons and Dragons is still, you know, it's, it's, it's of a certain, (laughs) you know, group and age. And I mean, I grew up with it because of my age, we'd like played it. That was it. Right. Like that's all we did. Um, So now now I understand, you know, you don't work or speak for critical role, but tell us in your words, just for the people out there who don't know what critical role is, what is critical role and talk to me about the first time you'd been exposed to critical role. Uh, so I, I'm actually thinking about you're saying like it's it's not necessarily international. You'd be surprised at like how many critters I see here in the Netherlands too. Yeah. In non-COVID times at, at cons and such. Um, it's one of the joys of the internet is that it's super accessible to very many pe- people it's across very the world. Yeah, it's very accessible. Um, yeah. And that's uh, it, it's it's so fun to travel to like 
international cons and cons in Europe and see like critters everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess um, a, a bunch of nerdy ass voice actors playing D and D on stream. Um, it is, and that's which, a, and that's so funny because that that's, is it. That's like that basically is it. it. <laughs> that, is, that, that is what exactly what it is. Um, but tell me why? Because yeah, like people, you could tell that to a lot of people, and they'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." So what? What? Fine. What to you is special about it? And then, and again, tell me the first time sort of you you heard yeah. of it or heard of it or whatever. Yeah. Uh. So, oh god, I I heard of it pretty early on in in the first campaign through a friend of mine, um, and I actually saw a post of her on Tumblr, I think. And it's like, oh, this, this, I can't even remember what it said exactly, but it, it said something about the characters of the first campaign. And I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. Um, especially too, because I have been playing D&D since I was in my teens um, and had been considering sort of going back to it. Missed, like, like one of my favorite parts of D&D is uh, the shared storytelling. And yeah. I I missed that. I didn't have a... Um, a D&D group out of college because it was just like too hard to combine with like writing and work and um, we all sort of drifted apart so uh, I saw that the posts on her Tumblr and I was like oh this this sounds really interesting I should check it out um, and started watching and basically didn't look back I didn't I don't know how many episodes I had to catch up on it wasn't that many but basically caught up in an obscenely short amount of time um didn't do much else for a while and then just watched along as it happened and just completely fell in love with seeing what I enjoyed so much at the table which is like creating that shared world together creating that that shared story together and and having having adventures um, when it's still basically just you and pencil, uh, pencil and paper and a set of dice. And that's, it, it just, it just resonated with me so strongly. And it, it, I recognized it too. Like I recognized that feeling uh, and the story was amazing and the characters were amazing. And yeah, I just, I was, I was hooked. Couldn't go back. Um, my reasons for liking it are the exact same reasons why I liked playing it back in the day. Um, this the excitement of real time storytelling, yeah, is what drew me to it originally. Like I actually enjoyed reading the books more than I enjoyed playing it back when I was a kid. <laughs> um, but uh, it's the same reason why I like Critical Role. I just love this. The I get drawn into the excitement of real time yep. storytelling, and because because reading is passive, right? Um, mm -hmm. When I read a book, it was is written. It? I mean, <laughs> but, well, because because it was written, you know, a year, two years ago, three years ago, four yeah. years ago, right? And um, and also, it's there's also there also can be some misinterpretation with sometimes. Sometimes you read a book and you think sure. this, and then you talk to the author, well, actually, I kind of meant that, or or whatever, you know. So I, I find that is that you take that out of the equation when you're watching it happen in real time, yeah, because you see, sure. especially when you're able to watch the players. Because it'd be one thing if it was just audio, but because we can watch them, we mm -hmm. see their body language, their facial expressions, their just everything, right? And that's what I get caught up. Actually, I just love the real, real time aspect of it. I'm just, that's the part of yeah, I get addicted to that yeah. for sure. No, I can, I can see that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk about writing the different, you know, it's an IP. So talk about writing an IP as opposed to, you know, one of your original stories. Maybe like it's it's, it, yeah. it's weirdly not that different. Yeah. Uh, aside of the fact that you're playing in someone else's sandbox, but right? It, the actual writing part isn't necessarily all that different in the sense that you still want to craft a good story and still need to find like all the different beats. And, mm-hmm. and for me, um, especially before I start writing a book, that's a lot of a lot of figuring out the plot and a lot of note cards in different colors and and sort of like understanding the shape of a story before I dive in. And I think the main difference between IP and original fiction is is generally that with IP, I already have characters um, that I don't have to build from the ground up, but I, but instead I'll have to get to know on a, on a certain level to be able to write them. Um, so that's a, the, there's a there's a slightly different way in how I approach handling character and how I like with with original fiction. It's it's literally every single aspect is comes from me and and has to has to be created before I can dive into a story. And and with IP, it's more a sense of figuring out like which elements or which aspects of a character I want to explore and seeing how that fits into a story. Um, so it, it, it feels a bit more like research than it does necessarily creation. Right. Um, but aside from that, it, there, it, it's, it's still very, it, I, I don't necessarily approach it any differently than I, than I would original fiction. It's still about like getting the story right and getting all the moving elements right and getting the feel of it just right. Yeah, getting them from A to B and and maybe back to A and <laughs> yeah, the, uh, go the journey, the journey, yeah, the journey. <laughs> um, I'm holding this book in my hands. Thank you, Lauren. It's goddamn beautiful. It's such a nice Isn't hardback. It oh, it's beautiful. I love uh, Nikki Dawes as an artist. Great too, of course. She's yes. a long time, long time critical role artist, amongst many other things. Um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love it. How did this? How did how did you get the opportunity to write this story? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it sort of happens. <laughs> not it, not, not it. And that made that, that actually, that might, fuck, fuck, sorry. That might even sounded bad. Like, why you? No, it wasn't, it wasn't, meant, it wasn't, meant, it, sorry. It, let me reword I mean, it. I like, also wouldn't, I also wouldn't necessarily have, have all that much sensible to say about that because it's, it's like those conversations are like did they contact not you? conversations did you contact I was a them? part of. Sort of like what was just sort of like the, the process, like how. How did you first find out and, and what was... I mean, uh, I definitely, when uh, the very first article went out to say that Penguin Random House and Critical Role were going to work together on books. And I think that was before the World of Critical Role came out or as an announcement for the World of Critical Role. Yeah. Um, like in this, in this, somewhere in that article, it says something about like, potentially more books and potentially novels and I definitely sent my literary agent at that point a DM to say or a message to say oh if that ever happens I want to be a part of it okay um but that was like that that was definitely just my side going like oh my god this sounds like such a dream project sure um and I wouldn't be able to tell you much about like the other side of things um but suffice to say that dream project's happened 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I mean, I got a good idea, normal, good idea of how this, how it works, but um, that's really cool to hear. Cause I know, you know, that's happened in, you know, that's happened before with star Wars and sometimes uh, you know, they, I know they keep an eye out for potential authors all the time. Right. But um, sometimes I know of authors who have just reached out and it's worked out. Um, I'm glad it did. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I, I see a lot of friends like just throw stuff on Twitter, yeah, um, like yeah. putting it out in the universe and seeing what works. And I'm That's always right. super envious of being able to do that because I'm so afraid I'll jinx something. Right. Um, I'm, I'm superstitious in that way. Like I, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. But it's really cool to say to see how how like conversations like that on Twitter happen lead to books and and like occasion happenstance meetings at the weirdest places suddenly lead to books and I think that's that's sort of magic of IP too like you don't always know exactly how it happens and from my end like I said I usually just like should have an email or a, or a message to my agent going like oh this sounds amazing I hope it'll happen at some point and. Um, that that's that's my version of, of at least putting it out in the universe. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I'm just like I'm also perfectly content to see it happen to other people, and that's really cool. And just like work on my own stuff and see what opportunities come up. And this was this was absolutely a ridiculously awesome, but also like I said, such a dream project that initially I pinched myself quite a few times. Yeah. Well, well, that's like a little kid dream, isn't it? I mean, when you're, yeah, little, when you're right, when we're reading all these books as kids and stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, imagine you go back and tell a younger self that like, Oh, you'll just throw it out in the universe and you'll be running. It's like, it's like, what? It's like a super awesome. Know, right? yeah, it's amazing. And, and I, and I, it, it sounds like that. Yeah. It's clear that this is, you know, you are so super stoked to be doing it. Um, and that's important because, you know, they're not going to just give this to anybody, obviously. I mean, it's just because someone's a good writer doesn't mean it's a good fit. And, you know, I'm holding the evidence in my hand that this is a good fit because I'm not prone to bullshit. Like I really fucking enjoyed this book quite a <laughs> Thank bit. Thank you. Um, we, we can't get too spoilery or spoilery at nope. all, but, um, <laughs> it's really, 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 really it's, oh, it's I'm just, so thrilled. It's a lot of fun. And there's actually a yeah. couple of like emotional beats too. I am going to bring up that aren't spoilery, but I think we'll, we'll be able to talk about them without spoilers, but I do want to talk. I do. I do want to know how much I'm not going to read the summary. It's way too long. Every, just people can, you can look it up. People can look it up. It's, it's, uh, it's everywhere. Um, I do want to ask how much interaction you had with Laura and Liam. So if people don't know this, Laura Bailey and Liam O'Brien are the creators of Vex and Vax. Uh, you know, voice them respectively and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's, these are their children. Um, these yeah. are their, their babies. How much, talk about how much interaction you had with Laura and Liam and like, I, I well, had to have been, was it just emails? Was it zoom? Was it phone calls? Like what was the process? A bit of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously like these are their characters, so they were heavily involved in the process. And that was, that was great for me too, because, um, uh, want to do right by the characters as much as possible so getting their input and getting their ideas pretty much at every stage of the novel from like initial pitch and and plotting of the story to uh to the 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 manuscripts when it was done um and and like tweaks and edits and all of that um it was it was amazing getting getting that input 
Um, so they were, they were pretty heavily involved. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, was there any, and don't tell me what exactly, but was there anything that maybe you wanted that they didn't or vice versa? Did that nope. come up or was it a pretty just nope. easy, <laughs> it, it was just a good experience from the start. Yeah. yeah, no, it was, it was such a, a lovely collaboration and, uh, and, and I think too, like in general with IP projects um, and, and in this case in particular, like, like I said, they're, these characters are their characters. So there was never going to be a situation where I was going to say, well, I think that X or Y or, or Z should happen. Right. Um, like that's, they, it wasn't even a, a, an issue at any point, but if it had been, like my opinion is not going to be that important in, right, in an IP right. situation. I want to get the characters right. Um, and that means being able to, listen to input inputs and, right. and being able to uh especially in this case just listen to the people who right. well but there's also the but there's also there's also a practical way to tell a story as well right so i mean if you have to get these characters from here to there in a in a reasonable amount of time or in a smart way there are some decisions that you have to make and that's why they've hired you they have to trust you because you are the story you are the writer right so i mean there, there has to be some trust there. So I assume when it came to like the mechanics of the story, they relied on you to do your magic, right? To do your thing. Yeah. 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 Oh no, for sure. But yeah. I, but I think too, like, and everyone who who watches Critical Role will know this. Like, they have a very good sense of of story and how story yeah. works. So it wasn't like. I mean, I understand as far as canon, like yeah. their it's their their thing. I get that for sure, right? But um, again, without specifics. How much of this book was like new Vex and Vax stuff that you were able to put in? Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there there are a few moments that that um, people may recognize from stream or from having been alluded to on on stream. Um, That's an interesting point, actually. Do you think yeah. this is this book set up to reward the like the hardcore fan or more the more casual fan? I mean, I think it reads. I think I think it reads completely fine for the casual fan like i it like but i have you know no doubt there's stuff in there that i missed that's because i'm not because i would not call myself a hardcore fan i the way i approached it as as a writer was to create a story that would be accessible to people who aren't familiar with critical role okay um as as a sort of starting point but would like hopefully strongly resonate with people who are and there are definitely some Easter eggs for people who like know the the details inside out. I think you do a great job. So there's job. a bit yeah. of bit of all of that, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And it's that's I I just I really love that when these IP stories come out and and reward the longtime hardcore fans with little bits of whether it's Easter eggs or this or that, or because it implies a much bigger, larger world, which Critical Role is, and so it's the X yeah. Machina Mac campaign is a much big. It goes beyond this book, right? Obviously, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I love when IP. And, and I as, love when IPs a, do that. They find they they give that little those little nuggets to the hardcore fans. Yeah, yeah. But like as as a fan myself um, of Critical Role, obviously, but just in general, um, I I love it when when stories do that. So. Yeah. It would it would feel like I'd be missing something if I if I didn't at least like create that those like small little gifts for others. Um, one of the things that I really loved about this book, 
there's this, uh, you do a lot of, you do some time jumping, you get a lot of some nice backstory for Vex and Vax. And, and you really lean into the fact though, that they are half elves. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as anyone that reads a lot of stories or consumes a lot of storytelling in general, um, anytime you're half anything, <laughs> it, you can have a hard time fitting in, you know what I'm saying? So you end up being conflicted a lot of times. And maybe even, even if the person themselves is, is fine with who they are as, as you know, sometimes it's externally that where you're not accepted, right. It's outside force that you can't control. And, and so you set up a lot of situations for Vex and Vax where they're not accepted all the time, are they? And mm-hmm. that sets up a lot of just really, really, really emotionally heartfelt moments where you really lean into how fucking strong and loyal they are to each other. That's to me is the book. Like you can, you, all the other stuff you put in the book is great and fun. And there's, and there's <laughs> right. There's a lot of really cool, great stuff in it and great moments and stuff, but that's the book to me. It lives and dies on their relationship. Yeah. Is that how you approached it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the, the core of who they are. Um, like, is the two of them together and you know from from like the story on stream that they have had hardships in their past and i i think it would be i wouldn't be doing justice to the characters if i ignored that um but i also think that that's the important elements of of how they came to be who they are and um yeah i just wanted to have I wanted them to feel familiar to the reader. And I think that that's such that loyalty to each other and that that like the two of them against the rest of the world is so essential to who the twins are. Right. Obviously it had to be the center of the story too. And it's never, and it's never in doubt, which I thought was nice because, you know, there are other stories that would screw that up by, I don't know, manufacturing some conflict between the two, which doesn't always feel real. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, I really appreciate the fact that it, that you never made either one made the reader doubt at all that these two were like we're team Vex and Vax no matter what we're yeah. not always we're, we're you know we fight and squabble we're not always going to agree with each other and people will see in the book they sort of get split up and and they each sort of are exposed to a different point of view on on sort of more grandiose things that are going on but never once their loyalty never falters to each other I thought that was really really important. Um, Speaking of uh, somebody else they run into in the book, probably besides Vex and Vax and Trinket, of course, um, <laughs> my favorite character is Darwin. Um, I love complicated anti-heroine type mother figures. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I, I love it every single time it's done. Um, I know last year a book called, or a book called The Ray Bear came out with the lady in it. It's mm-hmm. my favorite character in all of publishing last year. Loved her. <laughs> Um, tell us who is Darrow in, obviously don't, you know, tell us the, the part of the story that she's involved in, but sort of just, <laughs> just like, just that's who, almost impossible. Well, who is she? You can tell us who she is. I mean, that's, you're allowed to do that. Um, she's a complicated mother figure. She is. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. All right. Okay. All right. If you want to stop there, uh-huh. let's talk about that. Okay. That, then, then let's pivot to, um, talk about when you sat down. Okay. Like we know you've got Vex and Vax and, and talk about surrounding them then with a cast. Like what was, what proved to be the most difficult part of maybe coming up with a cast to surround Vex and Vax? Or was it not difficult at all? Or maybe it was easy. I don't know. It was weirdly easy. Um, No, it wasn't, it wasn't 
necessarily weirdly easy at all, but it was it wasn't that complicated because the type of story I, w- I wanted to tell um, required them both to have certain people around them. And I think that that's, it isn't so much even necessarily about facts and facts in this, but when you create a cast of characters around main characters, things that at least that I am looking for as a writer are characters who complement characters, mm-hmm. complement main character characters who can sort of, sort of, um, maybe be a mirror to them or be like they're they're opposite in many ways or bring out their stronger some, uh, stri- bring, traits, bring yeah. out their 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 stronger character t- traits yeah. but also bring out their weaknesses and mm-hmm. and bring out um maybe questions they have about themselves or their place in the world or who they are and who they can be mm. so that that's that's something and and like i i mentioned earlier in in many ways like approaching ip is much different from approaching original fiction that's something i do in original fiction and that's definitely something i did here um so it was more a case of of looking at the main characters and sort of figuring out okay but what would make sense for the type of story i want to tell what would make sense to create around them what would they maybe need or be drawn to or um, clash with. Mm. So when you have those those elements of character, you just build from there. Um, okay, here it is. The last question: Vex or <laughs> Vax or Vex? You got to pick one. How dare you! <laughs> Uh, I refuse. You refuse? Okay. <laughs> All right. Just I you can bump and say trinket. Math, how's that sound? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually uh, consider that, but um no. no. Um trinket's great also and and yeah, no, I love and has, trinket and, and has definitely a, this is <laughs> and has a backstory too, which is like yes. You know, yes. obviously as a happy God, I love writing trinkets so which, much. That which, was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> who uh who who I like Vex and Vax went went through some went through some shit, right? And um uh, yeah. you know ends up ends up uh on the better side of things for sure but for having met vex and vax of course but uh yeah no it's Obviously. great um <laughs> so thank you so much i can't uh tell you enough how much i enjoyed reading this book it was so much fun and i'm so glad yeah and and you know a lot of, you know a lot of times i'm asking you asking you questions i already know the answer to it but um this book is gonna will casual fan first time fan hardcore fan this is going to work for everybody i think um, i i certainly hope so that was because, definitely the intention well i and i think you know no i'm not gonna say i think i know this one of the reasons why it's going to work across board is because um you're just a fucking great writer it's a great Aww. it's uh it's from a practical st- from a practical standpoint it's told very well um it flows great you do you do some like there's some there's a lot of time jumping there's point of view switching but it doesn't bog the story down once not even for a second there isn't one isn't one chapter where i can look to where i was like oh, i can't wait to get through this chapter <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> it, it, it's you know the first page is important as the last and uh i think that's gonna that's gonna work well like i said across across board as far as whether you're into critical or not it, i don't think it'll i don't think it's going to matter as far as um the enjoyment of this book so i would say to people out there don't dismiss this book if you don't know what critical role is like read it anyway it's just because on its own it's just a really great story so thank you so it comes out november 30th i think 
correct yep. me if I'm wrong. Um, obviously, you'll be doing something online for a launch or what do you got going on? Um, well, for people who pre-order, uh, there is a special Kith and Kin fireside chat mm. uh, that'll go up on November 29th. Okay. Um, so if you pre-order and register at criticalrollbooks.com, you can join us for a really cool conversation with um, Leah, uh, Liam, Laura, and myself. Uh, cool. That's very cool. Yep. Um, yes, have a great, great, great launch and thank you so much. Enjoy, um, the rest of your year, be safe, enjoy, have a great holiday. And, um, I keep forgetting that it's like late November. So enjoy the rest of your year. It just sounds super intense. And then you realize, oh no, that's like five weeks. The year is done. It's gone. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Right? Like it goes so freaking fast. I'm, I'm not mentally prepared for that yet. No, no, me either. Um, but yeah, no, please, please have a good, happy and safe uh, rest of the year. And you holidays, too. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Monika for taking the time to chat with me. Like I said, Vox Machina Kith and Kin works thanks to her great storytelling and a top to bottom wonderful cast of characters. It's out now, so pick up a copy wherever you buy your books. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. Head on over to Cetalinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Enjoy the holidays. We'll talk to you soon.